Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to discuss the repentance episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so that you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I'm here with Pastor Joel. Hello. Hey, Pastor Joel. That was awesome, man. Thank you for teaching us about repentance. My pleasure. Yeah, the last two episodes have been... uh... Fundamental Christianity, right? Fundamental Christianity. Number one, take direction from God. And number two, if you don't, confess and repent. Yes. So these are both these are both halves. I mean, confession yep. and repentance are they're together. Right. But repentance is more important right. than confession. So who's someone that confessed and didn't repent Ooh, nice i like what you're doing here pj wasn't expecting <laughs> this pharaoh oh with moses tell me about pharaoh Show- oh this guy he actually actually it's a good example of not only somebody who confessed and doesn't repent but showing how confessing without repenting can actually make things worse for you so we know you know paraphrasing this story and just summing it up we see Moses continued to have this interaction with Pharaoh. Every time Moses goes back to Pharaoh to say, hey, can we go out into the wilderness and worship Jehovah? Pharaoh's like, no. And then what? The response is, due to Pharaoh's injustice, Jehovah responds by bringing a plague. And the plagues continue to increase in their intensity and in their severity. Yeah. And and over time, what we start seeing is it seems like Pharaoh starts to get to this point where he's like, okay, yep, that was wrong. You guys can go out into the wilderness. The repentance would be, go ahead. Go out and do your thing, Israel. (laughs) But what's he do? Like the next day? Never mind. You're still here. (laughs) You're my slaves. You still need to make the, you know, make the clay and keep working. Keep making my kingdom better for me. So he does, he does confess and and even worse, he even says, I'll let you go and do this thing. And then he retracts on his statement, which is actually another injustice. So here just stating, I am wrong is, is going to be good. There's really, there's no injustice within that, but Pharaoh goes one step further and says, and I will repent, but then doesn't, Mm. which is still just a confession But the fact that he said he would repent actually is being wrong in another capacity. So yeah, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is an example of what that looks like. What it looks like to have a a say it like, I'd love to ask, I'd love to ask these Christians who are maybe without knowing it, but are arguing for repentance being when I say, I'm sorry, when I feel bad for something, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think what you just pulled up is another great defense strategy. Wait a minute. Was Pharaoh a Christian? Nice. Because that's what he did. Yeah. He said, he essentially said, I'm sorry. He felt bad except with the whole frog thing. I'm not sure what was going on there when, you know, the plague of frogs comes and finally 
you know, and Mo- <laughs> Moses is like, okay, we're going to take the frogs away from you. When? And Pharaoh's like, tomorrow? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. A detail. A, a classic Pastor Joel detail. Tomorrow? <laughs> Why tomorrow? Yeah, but anyways, it, I think it is. That would be a good defense strategy, saying, was Pharaoh a believer? Was Pharaoh nice. a Christian? Was Pharaoh repentant? Because he did do the I'm sorry, and he did feel bad. Right. But he never repented. So I want to talk about something that I've seen in our respective churches. People who've been taught or people who understand confession and repentance. Um, So confession being you state what you did that's wrong. Full confession, right? What you did wrong, why you did it, and you don't want to do it again. Repentance being turning in the opposite way and making up for your wrongs. One thing that I've seen in the church is people actually not participating in repentance, but penance. Meaning when I do something wrong, I beat myself up. Oh, that's good. I punish myself. Right? So when, when we do something wrong, and how many of our listeners out there, when you do something wrong, you beat yourself up for it. But then you forget to repent. I think that happens a lot. That might be like this another way where repentance has kind of been warped and it's really what is this this is more like a low self-esteem response yeah it is to doing something wrong yep is and and it is this deception of because there is justice being worked out right there is it's someone understanding that there is justice something has been taken but it's just manifesting itself in a in a wrong way in a wrong manner yeah which that's what deception is is a right it's a right what so it is a right what in that it's trying to equal the scales of justice but a wrong how and why in that if i take from you me beating myself up doesn't get you back to equal or a better spot than where we were before the injustice Right. It, we're let both me, in a hole now, and we're exa- both. Yeah, exactly. We're both losing. It. It. What it is is it's just you know like uh, and I've done this, man. I've done this so many times where it's like I do something wrong to someone, and then you know, do you want to have you know do you want to have dessert tonight? And it's like no, that's okay. I, I don't really feel like it. Like I'm gonna. And what it really is, is it's me beating myself up for this wrong thing, feeling like I don't deserve it. You know what? I'm not going to eat dinner tonight. You know what? I'm going to isolate. You know what? I'm going to lock myself in my own prison until I've served the sentence that I feel like I, you know, that the justice has been equaled out. And then once I've done that and once I've locked myself in prison long enough, then I'm going to let myself out. Commentary, oh, Pastor Joel? Yeah, I feel like the the adjectives you're using are helping me see this in a whole different light. It, it's If you look at 
America's justice system. It is based on penance. If I hurt you, let's say assault and battery, that is an injustice. Right. And let's say it's bad enough where I get thrown in jail, even for 60 days. Why are they throwing me in jail? Because America's justice system is looking at, it is trying to equal out the scales of justice. So it's equating my 60 day sentence to whatever injustice you experienced at my hand. So now we're even. However, no one's winning. No one's actually being helped. How does me being thrown in jail help you with the assault and battery? It doesn't. Not at all. God's justice system is win-win. Yeah. <laughs> even, even when something wrong happens, when confession and repentance are handled the way God set it up, both people come out ahead. That only can happen by God. And it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. This is amazing though. It helps me see, it helps me see this penance thing a lot more clearly and how once again, the standards of men, we are trying to do what's right, but it's always falls short. It always falls short and it's always not only falls short, but it's always a shortcut Mm. to trying to do the right thing as quickly as possible so we can move past it mm-hmm. or God sets it up in a way where everybody wins and we want to talk about it. How about to the point where, you know, if I like, let's do the assault and battery thing again. If I assault mm-hmm. and batter you, I go to jail for 60 days. How much are you and me going to want to talk about it? We may never want to see. It may actually be in the sentencing that we can't interact anymore. There might even be a restraining order proving it's like repentance is we move past it and never interact again where God sets it up in a way where you and I can actually become closer friends than ever before over this really crappy thing that happened between us. So what would you have? So let's stay with, let's stay with the assault and battery. How would, how, how would someone actually repent from something like that? Or how would you help someone repent from something that is severe like that? What is, what would it look like? Just, just hypothetically, what would it look like for someone to repent from doing something like that? So what I would do is, is if I was the like, let's this scenario we already yeah, planned yeah, out. If I yeah. did this thing to you, I'm at a point where I recognize the assault was wrong. What I ought to do is go to you and state what I did was wrong. This is why I did it. Hmm. And remember, we've talked about the difference between rationalizing and explaining in a previous episode. This isn't a rationalization. What I'm doing at this why part is explaining why I did it so that you understand, not so that it gave me an excuse as to why it happened. This isn't excusing my behavior. And the proof that it's not excusing it is I continue past this part. Mm-hmm. I share, you know what? I don't want to do that again. That's not the way I should have handled it. That's not the way I want to handle a situation like that in the future. 
I might even say I'm sorry at this point. Mm-hmm. Then I get to the section of this interaction of what can I actually do to make this situation better? Mm-hmm. Is there something that maybe it happened in front of a bunch of people? Maybe it caused you to have some dental work needed. So what do I, I pay the dental bill or the hospital bill or the doctor bill or whatever, you know, at this point, what I'm really trying to do is fill whatever need there is necessary to get you to at least where you were before this injustice happened against you. Mm -hmm. And once I'm sure that we're at least back to even at this point, what I would do again, if this happened around a bunch of people, I may go to the other people involved and admit to them that what I did to you was wrong and admit to them why I did it and how the way I treated you was wrong. And this is what I should have done. I may, you know, depending on who else, maybe, maybe you had some relative or a friend of yours had to bring you to the doctor. There's other people involved who had, who I'm indebted to now. So I go to them and I try to make up to them what, what debt that I owe to them. And then ultimately getting to this point where everyone involved, what I want them to, to recognize is at one point I did look at Jonathan in this way. Mm-hmm. Now I look up to him and he is this hero to me because of how well he handled this. And it was, you know, it was wrong of me to do. And, and ultimately I think we should all celebrate how well Jonathan handled this assault. Yeah. So it's essentially this spectrum of going from confession to not only making up for the wrong, but also making sure everybody involved in it can look up to the person who was wronged in the first place better than they were before. Cause there might be people who are like, yeah, Jonathan's a real wimp. Do you see him get his butt kicked? Mm. Like, no, 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 no. That is not the way we should be looking at this. And that would be my, I would put that responsibility on me to make sure all of that is repaired. Then we can look back and it's like, man, that's the key to you and me being able to look at that situation and being like, why wouldn't we want to talk about this? This not only helped us, everybody else involved got better because of it as well. So why don't people do that? Why don't you think people do that? Confess and repent. I mean, you just basically said a lot. There was a lot of steps. And honestly, like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a a fast track to moving past something. Uh -uh. I, I think ultimately, I think the reason don't, I think we as humans, we do naturally we we dislike uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. we dislike tension we tend to drift to this mentality of i want to be retired sitting on the beach drinking fun drinks with umbrellas in them and uh just enjoying life what's that look like no tension Mm -hmm. so the reason we don't like going through this spectrum of repentance is there's tension involved Hmm. and it doesn't just go away. It may continue to increase 
the further I go down this path. Oh, absolutely. Because I, you know, like one of those last things that you mentioned was me going to, or you going to the other people that are involved in the situation, telling them what happened. Right. So now I'm involved in a bunch of, it's not just about me saying, I'm sorry. No. What do I, I want to make up for the wrong, which means I need to figure out what were all the ways that I wronged you in this situation. And there may be a lot more than just the assault itself, right? Yeah. It may be, there may be a lot of moving parts here, but if repentance, if, if I'm actually a Christian, I take direction from God and I confess and repent when I don't really at this point, it's like, is my desire to remain comfortable more of a priority in my life than behaving the way God wants me to as a believer? Ooh. Because that's really what's in the balance here. You're right. Do you remember when you learned about the reset button? Yeah, it was years ago. But I don't yeah. remember the situation or anything like that, but the concept stood out very, very vividly to yeah. the point where I remember it. It's not something it's not something we often talk about anymore, but it's a concept that I think about a lot, yeah. especially as it relates to the topics of confession and repentance, because it is so commonly the method we we use as humans because of this discomfort we we have over being wrong. Yeah. Let's just hit the reset button and move past it. The problem is we keep hitting a reset button. What that does with our relationship is it keeps creating categories in our relationship that we can no longer talk about. That's awesome. And it might even mean the categories that are connected to those reset button issues are also things we don't want to go near because it's too close to the reset button issue. <laughs> like, Hey, if I assaulted you, I also can't talk about the Saturday night boxing match that's going to be on pay-per-view that I'm really excited about because it's too close to the Now there's another category. So, you know what? It's, and that's connected to sporting events. And that's uh, like, anytime I get in an argument, like there's all these things. And now what that does is over time, the reset button really squashes the ability for us to, to grow our relationship for us to grow fellowship. And, and I'm just talking about you and me being bros mm -hmm. apply what I just said to a marriage and you can see what ends up happening. I was that. And that's exactly where I was thinking. I was thinking about Morgan and I, and my wife and I, and when we've had conversations that have gone really poorly because that happens with Morgan and I, and we'll, what we've learned to do instead of hitting the reset button, because we've tried, I think we've both, both of us have tried to hit the reset button and all, and there's, you just kind of get that poking, like nagging. No, no, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. And, you know, I'm thankful. I give credit to God for that. Um, but what we'll do is we'll have the conversation over again. Oh, that's beautiful. We just, we just started over. Hey, can I start this conversation over again? And I'll just make sure to keep, uh, you know, to not project and not judge, but to ask questions and answer questions and share about what I think and what I feel and what I believe. And holding to those, those guidelines helps us work through these interactions instead of hitting the reset button 
And then I don't, we don't think about the old fight. We remember the new one and we feel good about it. We feel good that we went through. And that's the, that's oftentimes the encouragement that I have for couples is you can repent right in the moment. You can redo the conversation and make progress in the other way, right in the moment. As soon as you realize Instead of just going, ah, we always fight. I feel terrible. And then isolating. No, 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 no. Imagine having the conversation again, like brand new with your whole brain involved. And it is, it's absolutely life-changing. Yeah, that's really great. That's great. Reset, schmeset. Yeah. (laughs) TM. (laughs) So let's go through these categories, Pastor Joel, in terms of we see the topic of repentance exposes people's confidence in who they are. All of these topics do this. And we call that your self-esteem, your confidence in who you're made to be. So how do people respond to the topic of repentance in relation to their self-esteem, Pastor Joel? This is going to be similar to the last episode with confession, but it's even ramped up a little bit more because repentance, like we were talking about earlier, you know, we talked about this earlier is it does go a little deeper and it's a little bit more uncomfortable to discuss. Low self-esteem people not only don't want to admit when they're wrong, but going the extra mile of making up for the wrong is even like, are you kidding me? Mm. So these people, what you see is, they're going to do everything they can to argue for why they were right, regardless of objective proof that they were wrong. Mm. These people will not hear that. Why? Because being wrong and making up for a wrong is just, that would mean I'm a bad person. So these people are also going to equate their behavior with, who they are. And that's one of the first lessons that we talk about in restoration is you are not your behavior. Nice. Oftentimes we're dealing with people who have low self-esteem in a lot of areas in their life. So we address that right up front. Who you are is not your behavior. Who you are is not the mistakes you've made. Who you are is not the great things you've done. Nice. Who you are is a spiritual entity within you that will uncover. So that is someone with low self-esteem in this repentance area. They would be equating their behavior with who they are. Therefore, they always are trying to manage how their behavior was right. Nice. Someone with mid self-esteem, what we see in this area is they recognize repentance is a big enough deal just saying sorry, just admitting I'm wrong isn't enough. Yet they might not understand really how to make up for a wrong. Or they may not understand even when, you know, these might be people who are just like, the apology and asking for forgiveness just isn't enough. Mm. In my own life and when other people wrong me. It's just not enough. So these people 
they have a high enough self-esteem to get themselves. We see this a lot in this category. The person with mid self-esteem, they have a high enough self-esteem to be at the point where they recognize who I am is worth more than the abuse I'm experiencing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then the high self-esteem people, again, just like with the confession, these people, these people will, they'll do what they can to make up for the wrong. Well, one, because they know it's the right, just purely because it's the right thing to do. And, and if anything, you know, these, these high self-esteem people, they recognize who God created them to be. They have a high confidence in that in that person, in that uniqueness, which means they want to be around other people who also understand their uniqueness and also want to live out that uniqueness. And one of the greatest ways to experience that between people is repentance. Mm. Because the thing is, the way I make up for a wrongdoing is going to be different than the way you make up for a wrongdoing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cause really what we're seeing yeah. here is repentance is love. Mm-hmm. If I wronged you, I owe you, mm-hmm. which means it's my job in that, in that that's one of the ways that we love, right? If I feel like I owe a person, I give to that person. I wouldn't expect anything in return from you because I already owe you the way we all love is unique. So really these high self-esteem people are going to look at opportunities of repentance as opportunities for their uniqueness to shine. That's going to be the key to making these situations better. Why is it going to be better? Why is it win-win? Because there's profitability between unique people. Nice. So that leads us to our, the ultimate answer, Pastor Joel. What is, what is this conjunctive? What's the freedom and what's the limitation? Repentance is when I do something wrong, that's the freedom. The limitation is I make up for it. Nice. And I'll even, and I'll clarify, because some of these limitations need some clarity. This isn't an extra limitation. This is understanding the one limitation we have. Because hmm. even, now we can go back, the definition of repentance that we talked about in the What the Flock episode, the commonly used traditional, historical, whatever you want to say, orthodox is to turn the other way. Even that needs a little clarity. It, it means to turn the other way and make progress in that direction. The same as why was making progress towards the wrongdoing. When I turn the other way, that progress doesn't stop. It continues Nice in the opposite direction. But see, we need some clarity. So the clarity here, making up for the wrongdoing means it's better than it was before the bad happened, Mm. before there was any damage. So that's the limitation. And the proof that it's better than before the damage is something Pastor Tater gave us. Nice. Pastor Tater helped us see he's he's excited to talk. The things he repents for, he wants to talk about because he has a good emotion to those things now. Those events in his brain have happy smiley faces next to them yeah i mean i just i'm reminded of that the the passage that talks about we you know that the in in revelation they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony nice you know we ought to have a really really good emotion attached to 
how we lived our lives before we were believers. Yeah. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Right. And that story, you know, that story of me living my plan and trying to live my life for myself is fun to share because of how great I feel about God and, and as a result. Yeah, that was something I shared in a recent sermon is the the year before I became born again, I look at that year as hard as it was in the in the moment. I look back at it now and I feel great about that year because that the the circumstances in my life in that year were the circumstances that broke me and got me to a place where I actually received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Don't I want to feel good about that event? Mm. Yeah, I sure do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or topics that you'd like to hear, please let us know. We'll see you next time.